I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media with out the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. And hello, everybody. I'm Colin Daniels, and welcome back to another episode of Young Influentials, the podcast. Today, I am talking to Kim Pham, who is one of the co-founders of Amazon, which is truly revolutionizing how we look and view Asian cuisine and Asian flavors through their company and how they do it. And you all, this was such a fun conversation. I could have talked to Kim for hours, pretty much like everybody I bring on to the show. We had so much fun talking about how food played a central role into um, her life, um, having a company with your sibling or sister, because um, her sister Vanessa is also one of the founders of the company. And we just talk about food and the role it plays and just how you don't have to be a five-star chef to cook amazing cuisine. So if you love food, if you love cooking, and if you just want to get inspired about stepping outside of your box and trying new flavors and new things you will love today's episode so just sit back and tune in Alrighty, thank you kim thank you so much for joining us today hi Carla. i'm so excited thanks for having me yeah, so what we do with all of our guests whenever they come is we first ask the question, um, what does a young influential mean to you? Ooh. I guess what makes me really excited about that term and this community is that it feels like I'm a part of this like new generation of folks redefining the way that business is done. And I think that's really interesting and exciting that like everyone else in the community are kind of pushing forward conversations and dialogues in their own communities, in their own industries, um, kind of in a new way and showing that, you know, this kind of like younger generation of entrepreneurs and business owners, you know, look, doesn't look one way. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what I think. Oh, that's so cool. And speaking of, um, 
starting businesses and entrepreneurial. Um, so I know you, uh, Amsam is food. So was there inspiration <laughs> for food in your, like growing up or what kind of, how did food play a role in you and your sister's life? Yeah. So I think all of it really stemmed from our identities as first generation Vietnamese American women and daughters of refugees. So Vanessa and I grew up in a town just south of Boston. I was like 98% white. And so growing up, we had a lot of kind of like internalized shame and feelings of being other, um, really kind of plaguing our identity and also like our food, which is such a big part of our culture. And this felt kind of really clear when we were shopping in grocery stores where we would see this kind of quote unquote ethnic aisle. It's always like in the center of the store. (laughs) It's like this hodgepodge of ingredients and products across various communities of color not just Asian communities. And it always just felt like the encapsulation of the way that like an old, basically an old school view of Americana and American food and the American diet. And so as Vanessa and I were, you know, leaving our jobs and wanting to start this business together, we were really inspired by food as the cornerstone and as a carrier of storytelling and of culture. Um, And so, yeah, that's like, that kind of mission of wanting to reclaim and celebrate the multitudes in Asian flavors and stories was really what drove Vanessa and I to quit our jobs and start Amsam. But yeah, I mean, food is literally, it's a love language to us. It's the way that um, so much of, for us in particular as Vietnamese women, like the way that we understood and viewed our culture, it's how we got kind of first familiar with the language. Um, Food is everything, was everything to to our family growing up. Region love food, <laughs> but you mentioned, you mentioned you guys um quit your jobs prior. But um before getting into that, was there any experience like working in the food industry or um that kind of helped get gain the experience before like even this became a concept? Yeah, not in the professional capacity, but when Vanessa was working as a management consultant, she was actually focused on CPG clients. So kind of had an overview of the CPG industry. I like in college spent some time at Blue Apron. I also used to run a pop-up dinner um, in Dublin and London when I was living abroad. And so food was always kind of something that we were hyper passionate about outside of our professional lives and knew that we wanted to kind of return to that love when we started our own business. Oh, that's so cool. And so you touched on it a little bit about like kind of what sparked it and how food played a center, but was there something particular that you felt, I know you've touched on about like the the ethnic island, how it was kind of very like vague, but was there something in particular when you and Vanessa were coming up with the idea that mm. you really wanted to stand out with Amsam? Like, was there, what was your main target and focus when you guys were sitting down saying like, okay, we were going to create this, like, this is how it's going to yeah. be different from everybody else. Right. I think So what Vanessa and I were seeing was this kind of interesting like tension or gap. So on one hand, we were seeing kind of this like changing DNA of the country where a third of the U.S. is now comprised of immigrants and their children. And this group is fundamentally changing American culture, society and the way that we eat. And yet when you looked at that grocery store, like this old vestige of like post-World War II view of Americana still remains. And we're like, how is this like, still a thing in 2020, (laughs) which was when we launched. Um, We're like, how, like, there's so many, you know, movements happening on a cultural as well as like a foodie level, you know, Anthony Bourdain, David Chang, street food, ugly, delicious, all this kind of original Netflix programming. And we're just seeing Americans across the board 
getting educated on and getting really excited about Asian flavors and restaurants. And yet when it came to bringing it in their own homes, there was still this huge barrier. And so we were like, okay, what if our product kind of tackled that piece, right? Like when we talk about kind of representation and equity in food, it's such a lofty, big conversation that like we kind of had to tackle what we knew, which is like, all right, Asian flavors, Asian storytelling through products. Um, and so that's how we kind of developed our initial product format. Um, but yeah, we launched in May of 2020. The main kind of, I think, differentiator perhaps to what we do is that we really center first and foremost, Asian Americans as our audience. Like they are who we speak to first and foremost. I mean, they are our team. They are us as founders um, is really showcasing the multitudes in Asian Americana which I don't think a lot of brands have done perhaps in the past is like recognizing that like, okay, you know, this, this doesn't have to be a diluted kind of safe, accessible view of an Asian product and Asian flavors, but instead like really focus on doing right first and foremost by those communities first. And so, yeah, I think that's really been our North star as a brand. And you kind of touched on a little bit, Sam, how you previously worked at Blue Apron in the past. Um, was there any inspiration from like that experience working there and any other uh, food tech companies that you um, you and Vanessa kind of drew from like taking those mm. concepts and ideas of like how like working with customers or just strategy? Mm. Yeah, I think my, my short time at Blue Apron really cemented to me that like I really care about food <laughs> and I really want to work in food because I just think, I mean, it's universal. And it's also a carrier of culture and of stories. And so I think that kind of relentless dedication to helping Americans bring these dishes and these flavors into their homes was like absolutely kind of a big part of that. I think when I think about other brands that Vanessa and I are like inspired by, actually many of them aren't in food. Mm -hmm. Some of them are in like fashion and art and music. Like because I think Omsom, while we are absolutely like a food product and CPG brand, we really think of ourselves as like a culture brand first and foremost. So for example, like I am deeply inspired by like FUBU and baby fat, like yes. because like yes. OG, right? And Kamori like, and all of them. Brand. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think like, I mean, FUBU, right? For us, by us. Like, I think that was a brand that was able to achieve national universal resonance but knowing first and foremost who they are for, who they've been built by. Like, I, I see those brands as, a, as like, you know, okay, maybe it started out in a quote unquote niche, and I'm using air quotes here, y'all can't see, um, <laughs> niche market of like urban, you know, hip hop, whatever, whatever. And people seeing that perhaps like outside folks being like, oh, that's niche. Can you really build a big business? When people realize like eventually that, credibility radiates out from communities. Like you, if you are for everyone, you end up being for no one. Mm -hmm. And so for us, our approach is like, okay, as an Asian American brand, Asian Americans, like we have to exist first and foremost for them. They are the key to us doing this the right way, but they're also the key to us achieving kind of longer term, broader resonance. It's kind of that saying, right? And where like, if you go to a Chinese restaurant and there's no Chinese people in it, it's probably not very good. Like people use that sort of credibility mechanism when they think about food, when they think about fashion, when they think about music um, and just realizing that, yeah, like we have to kind of be quote unquote niche in our voice and in our brand and in our visual identity 
as a longer term way to like build a bigger and much more broad brand. And you said this, um, so I know you're saying uh, like about like the branding and the voice. So who would you say if somebody asked you, like, who is the Omsom customer? Mm. Like who, who are you uh, all mostly talking to? Cause I, what I love about your guys, this social media and content is it seems so clear and just, so just spot on like with whoever you're talking to and I'm just like can all the brands please take notes because all we're trying to talk to everybody like it'll be different months and different whatever mm. and the language changes and versus I feel like with you all it's very consistent and it's not something that changes per whatever's going on around them it mm. it's con- it's consistent and I feel like yeah. that's just oh like the gosh. one word that I would just used to describe you, just consistency. Oh my gosh, Colin, that means so much to me. That really <laughs> that's such, that is like, if you're a marketer, you know how high praise that is. Um, I think our core audience, when I think about who like rides for us, they are first or second gen Asian American, probably very similar to myself and Vanessa, grew up with these flavors, know them and love them but maybe now that they've perhaps like moved from home or have lost touch with the language or their relatives are looking for a way to re-engage with that third culture, Asian American identity. Um, And a lot of that is done through food. So they're probably, you know, anywhere from like 25 to 40, um, broadly millennial, though we do have some like older Gen Z um, folks. Um, They're actually nationwide. We thought initially this was going to be like a, you know, urban, you know, educated millennial brand, but actually a third of our community are in the South and the Midwest um, because they're, you know, they, they love us because perhaps like access to Asian products is a little bit more difficult for them. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, in terms of like our brand voice and tone, it's, 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 it's honestly kind of me. (laughs) It's like (laughs) me, me building the brand that I kind of wish I had access to as like a young adult. It's kind of, if I had to, describe the heart of our brand. It's really in our name, Amsam. So Amsam originates from the Vietnamese phrase, Om Som, which roughly translates to like rowdy or rambunctious. It's kind of a negative term, actually. Um, it's like something my parents would chastise Vanessa and I for, for like being too loud or like too obnoxious in the back of the car. And um, we love this idea of reclaiming a phrase that was negative, but now we're owning that kind of middle finger in your face energy because for so long Asian Americans have been flattened and erased into being seen as like quiet, submissive, docile, uh, model minority. And I think we really just wanted to build a brand that was like, F you. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth. 
your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. And what I love what you just said is how you guys are able to target both millennials and Gen Z. Because I feel like a lot of, like everybody mostly is kind of pivoting more towards just Gen Z marketing and whether Mm. it's hiring Gen Z specific only agencies or just Mm. making that their main brand focus. I feel like you all are able to kind of bounce between the millennials and also Gen Z. And then, like you said, reach out to those people who are maybe not within that age demographic, but are in other places and are looking to have access to these types of flavors and these types of food. So is there something particular that you all do to really kind of walk that tightrope to do it? Or is it just like what you said, like you're just your voice? (laughs) Yeah, that's a really great question. Cause I, I do hear that a lot too, of a lot of like a lot of founders being like, Oh, I got to like talk to the Gen Z. And I'm like, <laughs> you, you should, if it makes sense for your strategy, right? Like Omsom right now is like a food brand and it's a cooking product. Like our starter packets are cooking products. And like for us, our target demographic skewed to people who cook, which is usually folks who've like graduated college, maybe even they're a couple of years out of college, right. All the way through to like parents and families. So while we like definitely are heavily inspired by look to a lot of like Gen Z marketing trends, um, Gen Z content trends, like that's actually not our core audience. Um, so what I think we do is like, we stay super in the pulse. Like I personally am on TikTok, like probably three hours a day. I mean, same. Um, <laughs> yeah, fine. Like I, I'm, I have a personal individual outside of Amazon interest in kind of like staying, you know, in the loop on like TikTok, Discord, Twitch, like I feel comfortable. And a lot of my marketing team are Gen Z. Um, but I don't think we ever set out to be like a quote unquote Gen Z brand. I think we are Omsom and we speak to our audience and that is a lot of millennials. And that is a lot of Gen Z as well. I think authenticity is the name of the game. Like millennials and especially Gen Z can smell when a brand mm-hmm. is trying too hard, like a mile away. And so like, it's just in your best interest to be authentic to you. And if that means you don't freaking touch TikTok because you're not trying to do dances or like funny trends, <laughs> totally fine. Like know what you're good at, own it. Um, I think when it's like, you're kind of just throwing shit at a wall to see what sticks. I think that's when it starts to feel like a little like inauthentic and perhaps like diluted. Because that's what I feel what a lot of brands do is like, it'll be um, a specific month or whatever, or they'll everybody's like, oh, everybody's on TikTok over here. And they'll just randomly throw like a minority couple in that for whatever history month. Or <laughs> right. Gen Z is like the it thing. So they'll be like, oh, put some 22 year olds from fresh out of college in there. <laughs> and let's get a Pinterest and they're not even a brand that would make sense to be on Pinterest. And I feel like that marketing mistake one-on-one, like you always want to make sure you're using platforms where your audience is and that makes sense to what your product. So if you're a cooking brand, yeah, it does make sense to be on TikTok or a video platform where you can show your audience like how to make that specific dish or whatever. But if you're a um, cotton candy brand, you shouldn't be on TikTok doing dances. <laughs> like if that's how you sell cotton candy, go for it. But 
you want to make sure you're aligning with different outlets and things that make sense for your brand, not yeah. just because everybody's saying like, oh, everybody's here, go here, go here, go here. Like, no, you don't have to do that. Yeah. And I, I totally get the like impulse to do that. Right. Like I think marketers are like, oh shoot, like where, where are their eyeballs? Like where is their attention and where can I go capture that? And I definitely understand that temptation. Um, but I also think it's like, look, we're a small team. We only have so much bandwidth as a team to be able to work on things. So like, why wouldn't we go work on the things that feel the most high impact? So like TikTok right now is worth it for us because cooking TikTok, recipe TikTok, food TikTok is huge. And that's like a really big and, and interesting opportunity for us. But like, you know, we have thought about like, what if we started our own kind of like discord server? Um, and right now that's just like not a priority of ours, not because we don't think that there's something beautiful and really brand aligned to be done on that platform. But it's just like, look at our resources, be honest about what we can do and do well. I'd rather do less and do them well than like mm -hmm. do a ton that's like kind of half-ass. Um, so that's been kind of the, the approach. But yeah, if you're going to tackle something that's like quote unquote Gen Z and out of your, you know, expertise as a founder, just hire someone who is fluent in that channel. Like literally the best thing I could ever have is like, I have two marketing interns who are college students who literally live and breathe on TikTok. And they're <laughs> on these trends when they pop up like within an hour. So I'm just like, I'm not going to try and replicate it myself, you know, like even though I'm on TikTok a lot, um, it's about getting folks who I think are really like native and fluent on these, on these platforms. And I think that was a good point too. You said about like not spreading yourself too thin. Cause even if you do have the bandwidth, people are like just churning out content on reels, Instagram, Twitter, mm -hmm. and, and just doing that, you're spreading your resources instead of like focusing that on maybe a quick YouTube video that's maybe 15 minutes long that totally. goes more in depth about maybe your brand story or how you make your iconic jeans or whatever that thing is versus if being doing a 10 minute video over here like a picture over here and it just not making sense and lining up and that way it confuses people like oh what is this brand like they're doing scarf tutorials on pinterest and then <laughs> they're doing a dance on tiktok like i thought this was a right. uh, goat milk brand like why are they doing <laughs> so i think it's true it's like kind of like looking not just looking at your bandwidth but also looking at being like, okay, like let's put the resources into something that makes more sense. And that could be a little bit more valuable over time versus just trying to get eyeballs. Totally. And speaking of eyeballs, are there any cool partners, partnerships that you guys have like done or worked with or <laughs> any cool ones that people have poached you all for noticed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, Colin, it's been wild. So we launched in May of 2020 and within a year we launched two partnerships that were both inbound, which is wild, um, with two household names. So the first one, um, we actually partnered with Disney, which is like a freaking dream come true. Um, <laughs> there was, um, the kind of the first Southeast Asian Disney princess, um, her film launched last year. It's called Raya and the last dragon. It's amazing. You should watch it. If you we, have love Disney Plus. we love Raya. <laughs> we love Raya. <laughs> Tran is the voice actress who is also a badass Vietnamese woman. Um, so we stand. <laughs> um, but we worked with them to do like custom, like a custom actually like sampler with like Raya, um, exclusive packaging as well as recipes. And it was a, literally, it was a dream come true because I never thought that in under a year of being old, a household name, I think the largest media company in the world reaching out to us to do something is like, was just so wild. And 
also to honestly be a part of like a historic movement. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up wishing there were princesses who looked like me, you know? Um, so it was just wild to actually kind of be a part, a part of that. And then the second um, partnership that we launched last year, um, oh, we launched three, oh my gosh. So (laughs) a second partnership that we launched last year was also with Instant Pot. So So fun fact, Instant Pot was started by an Asian immigrant named Robert Wang. He was literally like an out of work dad in New Jersey who invented the Instant Pot. So it was really cool to work with like another like, immigrant kind of owned brand, especially one as ubiquitous as Instant Pot. I think they're in like one in three American households. So we developed like a specific sampler that has Instant Pot specific recipes, which is so fun. Um, and like, you know, I'm a big, big Instant Pot and air fryer girl. <laughs> we love um, to see it. <laughs> we love, we love it. And then um, we also last year launched a partnership with Pepper Teigen, Chrissy Teigen's mom. We love um, We did our first ever starter and also I think the first product of its kind to proudly feature MSG as an ingredient because both Amsam and Pepper are really passionate about kind of rewriting and dispelling a lot of the, the anti-Asian narrative around MSG as an ingredient. And that was like a wild journey. Basically it all started with like an Instagram post, like literally one of our posts went viral. Pepper's team saw it, they reached out. And then literally a year later, we, we launched a, her Kapow product, which was really cool. That's so cool. Um, but it's honestly really rad because all of these partnerships that we've done in the last year have been like a reflection of, I think, a core belief of Amsam's. Um, you know, obviously with Disney, it's kind of this historic moment for representation with pepper. It was rewriting this like xenophobic narrative around a very Chinese American ingredient. And then with instant pot, it was bringing accessibility to Asian flavors, which for so long have been seen as like quite difficult in the average American home. And so I'm just really grateful that we get to live our values like Mm -hmm. through our partnerships. I feel like that's like such a, such a privilege. That's so cool. And there's, do you have like a dream person or brand that you that you all want to partner with oh my gosh (laughs) okay so dream person is definitely Padma Lakshmi she's incredible we love her I love how outspoken she is I love how hard she rides for South Asian flavors um she's yeah she's so great unproblematic fave of ours (laughs) we we love somebody who isn't problematic (laughs) yeah yeah right love that um and then in terms of brand Oh, oh my gosh. I would love, this is going to sound so silly. I would love to partner with Hello Kitty. Wait, that would be so <laughs> cool. I'm like picturing it, like how colorful it would be. in the, oh, the, right? the plush, you guys could do apparel. Like that could That's be all. That's what I'm thing. saying. Like Hello Kitty, if you're listening, like give I know, call. like please call us. Um, <laughs> I grew up, I grew up with that brand. Like Sanrio has an incredible brand. They're real. they're like a Japanese, like OG brand. That's really achieved this like universal now. Um, resonance and they just are such a big part of my childhood like I used to go and collect like all her little stickers and like uh, Hello Kitty and friends yeah anyways <laughs> Hello Kitty please hit me like up. give her a call <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and speaking of upcoming stuff do you guys have any cool launches or anything that we all can expect to see this year like the summer or whatnot yeah so I think a couple things so one we just dropped um 
chef's knife earrings for Lunar New Year. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So uh, we just like, I based on story, um, I started wearing these like chef's knife earrings and everyone was like, oh, we love them. So we made an ensemble pair. <laughs> um, I actually have it tattooed on me oh, as well. So cool. You guys can't see it, but it looks really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that just dropped for Lunar New Year to celebrate kind of the boldness and the strength of Year of the Tiger. Um, and then we have a couple interesting drops towards the end of the year. I can't share too much, um, but there will be ways that you can continue to bring Proud Loud Asian flavors into your pantry in a new way. And then in terms of like kind of interesting moments, we are starting to expand into brick and mortar retail. So for all of our life, Omsom has been direct to consumer where you have to go on omsom.com to order our products. But because our consumers have literally been demanding to get products in the store, we're going to be announcing a couple big kind of like retail launches in the next um, couple months. So be on the lookout for that. So Omsom will be hitting store shelves near you very soon. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And before we wrap up, I want to, I know you, we talked about earlier, you work with your sister and I feel like there's so <laughs> many people out there who are in the family business, thinking about doing family businesses. Do you have any advice for anybody who is working or planning on working with their sibling of like how to balance it and, and just oh, how to bring that ooh. family relationship into the business space? <laughs> yeah. Great question. This is heavily nuanced, but just like, uh, working with Vanessa is the best thing in the world. I'm so grateful to be working with her. Her and I are only two years apart. So we're quite close in age and like our best friends. And so starting Omsom felt like a really natural extension of our relationship because we're, while we're best friends, we're really different. So she's very analytical, very quantitative, data-driven, strategic. And I'm like a little creative weirdo brand community thinker. <laughs> and so it actually works for us because it's really clear who owns what. Like there isn't this like, I mean, not as much. There definitely still is, but there isn't this ego thing of like, oh, well, like I'm smarter than you. Like it, we because we're we're experts at different things, like it allows us to kind of carve our own paths. But I guess like what I will recommend is like if you're going into business with a sibling or a family member just prepare for like radical communication and honesty with one another because it's going to get hard. There's no <laughs> way building a startup with anyone is easy, but especially with family members, it's going to get hard. And all the shit that like all the trauma, all the narratives that you have about one another, all of it will come up during hard times. So I think the best thing that you can do is like start seeing like co-founder therapy um, or just get used to being like, Hey, I like identifying your emotions, being able to talk about them clearly, understanding the movements within your body and in your soul and being able to like talk openly with them. Because I think in the beginning when Vanessa and I were, you know, just starting Omsom, just the two of us, we like, when we got in fights, it, it would devolve into like really messy personal attacks when that wasn't really what we're trying to solve, but it kind of came up. So I think what really happened helps Vanessa and I is just being like, Hey, like when we, when we're having, you know, a, a tough conversation about business, it's like separating out, like, Hey, I know we're talking about X, Y, Z, but this is actually bringing up, you know, old feelings that I had when we were in middle school, Kim, and you know, you were older. And so you always thought you knew more than me. And that's why I'm reacting this way. Like stuff that has nothing to do with Omsom. <laughs> well, like, come up. And so I think we just got really good at like 
recognizing our emotions, naming them, being honest and open with each other, even though, you know, that requires a lot of vulnerability. And it took some time and has took like a ton of training and we still keep doing this. Um, But we're really grateful that like, we can have those conversations with each other that are hard and that we also just inherently like love and trust one another. Like there's no doubt in my mind that Vanessa is like making decisions with like the company's best interest at heart. Like, I don't doubt for a minute that she's mm-hmm. like not being selfish or being greedy. Like I know that she, cause I love her and I trust her and I, 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 I trust her judgment. So that's kind of like the best thing about this co-founder relationship. So if you have that sort of relationship with your sibling or your family member, oh my gosh, go, it'll be the hardest, but one of the most rewarding endeavors is to build a business with a family member, but just get ready for, <laughs> for sticky, messy, like tough conversations. Cause I know I have two brothers. Yeah. <laughs> it's always like, yeah, like I, I think we should <laughs> so do this going to do that. And the other one would be like, okay, yeah, I'm down. And then it's me. It's like, nope, 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 nope. That could, I, what like, what industry would you start a business with them? Uh, I, I've always wanted to do like a bookstore, a bookstore cafe type thing. <gasps> oh that's my, gosh, my thing. I love, that. I love bookstores. Like that's my vibe. That's where I thrive. So I would want to do like a bookstore cafe type thing. Um, I would, I'm picturing it right now, like either upstate New York or in Vermont. Oh my gosh. Or maybe even oh in the Bay Area or somewhere, somewhere, you know, hipstery. Like, you know, I'm the first original ad tech hipster. That's what I've like made myself <laughs> So I would do it there, you know, very chill. People come in. Yeah. Um, that's what I want to do. But I just feel like I'm, I know how I want stuff done. Mm. <laughs> and like, granted, like one's a lawyer, one's whatever. And we would help and benefit. And we're in different lanes. But I just know right. how I am. And I just be like, look, I know what's best for us. <laughs> and I would bulldoze. And I would yeah. just, so I'm like, I'm not there yet. I would probably definitely need to do the therapy thing, like you mentioned. <laughs> Like I would need to be the first to sign up. Okay. Well, first off, we love the, you know, self-awareness. We love <laughs> to see it. Step one. Um, I hear you. Yeah. I mean, I'm really grateful because Vanessa and I were working on the business, you know, like nights and weekends for like a little under a year where it was just kind of like, we didn't even know what it was going to be. We didn't know it was going to be called, but we just started kind of like brainstorming things together. And I think that was a period where we kind of went through the bulk of like the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just the two of you. You're like locked in a little we work room. Right. <laughs> and just, I think that's when we like, yeah, managed to see and name and fight all the things that we needed to fight about versus now, you know, I think we're in a little bit of a group. We understand each other. We understand each other's triggers. Like it took time though. And like that, <laughs> yeah. raising your hand and being like, Ooh, we need to work on this um, is, is step one. But I love that idea of a bookstore cafe. I've always wanted to do something like that. Like a little like Asian cafe with like a library or game cafe Ooh, moment. Yes. Um, maybe in my next life. <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude, that was like, a, that does like open mic nights with like live music and whatnot. That would be a oh, vibe. Like that would be such a vibe. Like, do people still do that? I don't know. I feel like we had, I feel like when I lived in Miami, there was one called tea and poets shout out sponsor mm. me. Um, <laughs> and they would, they had uh it was like a tea shop where they had, traditional teas from like all over the world but then they also did like an open mic night type thing oh I love that and then they also did like a farmer's market in there on Sundays where they had like different local um like shops in there like this one person who did 
handmade body creams. I feel like I should be sponsored. <laughs> wow. this, but it was like they use that space for so many things. And mm. so I would I would want to do something like that, like where people can like come in, it's cozy, just right. hang out, have a vibe. Yeah. I love that. I know community spaces feel kind of more rare nowadays. I mean, obviously with COVID, that that's understandable. But yeah, there's a really cute game cafe right by NYU. I went to NYU that I really love. Um, and I just remember like kind of holding up with like some coffee and some friends and being there for hours. Like I kind of miss that like old school, mm-hmm. like coffee shop vibe. Like I was watching an episode of Friends and I was like, oh my God, people just used to sit in coffee shops on couches right. like, for hours. Like, like wow. did they clean those couches? <laughs> I'm like, not a laptop in sight. I'm so confused. <laughs> oh, but thank you so much, Kim. This was so fun. Yeah. Thank you, Colin, so much for having me. And I'm so glad, like, kind of got to share a little bit of the Amazon story. I know. We can't wait to see what you guys come up <laughs> and bring and bless our tables with the next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Wow. How great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens, and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.